This show is brought to you by earpeeler.com. What's up, everybody? This is John Bush from Armored Saint, and you are cranking it up. Hey there, this is Joey Vera from Armored Saints, and you are listening to Mars Attack. This is Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein of Doyle, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what do you say? Be careful, because Mars Attacks. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Windorf from Monster Magnet, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what's happening? This is Tommy Victor from Prong and Danzig. Hey, all, here's Andrea Peter from Sepultura and De La Tierra, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Enjoy. Yo, what's up? This is Frank Fellow from Anthrax, and you are listening to Mars Attack. Turn it up! Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Filter, and you're listening to Mars Attack. Hello, everybody. This is Max Cavalera, Soulfly. You're listening to Mars Attack. Stay metal. This is Brant Bjork. And you're listening to Mars Attacks. So keep listening. Hey, what's up? This is Kyle from The Sword, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Welcome, one and all, to episode 154 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And this week, we're going to have something special or unique, <laughs> as, as one might say. Uh, what I'm going to do, uh, I'm trying to raise awareness of what I'm doing with all my other shows. So this is going to be something a little different. I'm actually going to add various um, episodes of my other podcasts within this show here. And the reason for that is to get you guys to check out some of the other shows. If you're into what you hear as part of this episode, hopefully you'll go to iTunes and subscribe uh, or go to the other websites and, um, you know, uh, check out the various social media sites or uh, listen to the shows right there on the website. You know, whatever you guys feel is best or you could go to uh, Stitcher also if you're uh, Android user or Google Play. In any event, so I have a bunch of different things going on. I have Mars Attacks. I have uh, Ear Peeler, obviously, the uh, podcasting news site, which I'm always uh, uh, mentioning during the show. But I also resurrected two other podcasts that I'd done in the past, and I started a new podcast. Uh, the two that I resurrected is the Victor M. Ruiz podcast and Fusion Sonica. Uh, I switched them up a little bit because the Victor M. Ruiz podcast a lot of times was just, uh, well, it was originally called The Incoherent Ramblings of Victor M. Ruiz, and it essentially had no limit to it. It could be an hour, it could be two, it could be three, depending on the topic. Uh, so what I've switched this up to being is a very short show that's usually around 20 minutes to half an hour long. Uh, I think it's easier to digest that way, and usually I only stick to one topic. Um, for this episode, you will hear episode number 12, which I released last week on the stream, which features Richie from Focus on Metal, and we take on some of 
our podcasting nightmares. Uh, we discuss it during the show. It is technically podcasting nightmares five. And with Richie, there will be two other episodes where he discusses similar topics. So there you go. Uh, the other resurrected podcast at Fusion Sonica, which was the first podcast I started. It was in Spanish. But uh, hey, given that I have had a lot of difficulties uh, with the Spanish language um, bands, uh, realizing what the fuck a podcast is because, you know, they're only a few decades behind the English speaking world. And yes, there are people out there that I know that are Spanish-speaking listeners that uh, that aren't that way. And a lot of the Mars Attacks listeners that do come from other countries, um, definitely that that is what I'm mentioning is atypical of them. They are atypical. They are against the, the norm. Uh, people, for some reason here, you, you really need to beat concepts into their head because... When you're telling them that you're offering, you know, something free over the internet or whatever, the first thing they think of is scam or, you know, they want to, you know, it's hard to steer them away from what they've known their entire lives. So they aren't in on it. I've had bands that I've wanted to interview for the podcast and I've been told, um, you need to pay me, you know, 15 bucks for my CD. And it's like, dude, I'm fucking trying to open doors for you in other countries and whatnot. Yeah, 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 but that doesn't matter. I, If you want me to give you any material, you need to pay for it. Okay, well, then I just won't interview you. Um, and, you know, I've said, all right, well, just email me, you know, a song or email me a 30-second clip. You know, I don't give a shit. And nothing. Um, there, well, whatever. Anyway, so there, there have been a lot of difficulties uh, with with uh, rock star attitudes and whatnot, and I just said fuck it. I stopped doing it for a while, and decided that I wanted to steer away from doing you know music during the Mars Attacks episodes unless they pertain to the interview that I was doing. And you know, from time to time, obviously that's not set in stone. I can vary what I'm doing with the shows, but for the most part, what I want to do is make Fusion Sonica my hard rock and metal music uh, podcast. So it's usually around half an hour long. We usually stick to a topic and run with it. And with this episode, this will be at the tail end of what you're currently listening to. And it will be an episode that actually will not debut until the Sunday after I'm recording this. And it'll be anywhere between one to two days um, after this is posted. At least that is the intent. And it will focus on uh, industrial metal, basically. So it'll be, you know, uh, bands that uh, uh, that are in the vein of... Let me just look up the episode real quick here. So you'll have things like Fear Factory, Killing Joke, KMFDM, Marilyn Manson, Prong, Stabbing Westward. And the other band that I play is uh, one called uh, Goth Minister. So you'll be able to check that out at the tail end of this episode. Uh, sandwiched in between those two, 
You have my newest podcast, which is No Metal Cred, which uh, it's basically things that aren't hard rock and metal. That said, I obviously am not going to, you know, do an episode of Mars Attacks that has, you know, something like The Sounds or uh, Depeche Mode or things along that nature, which I absolutely love, but don't fit this. So that's what No Metal Credit is all about. So what this episode that I'm including here is episode six of No Metal Cred. It is the heavier side of Queen. Uh, I love Queen. I probably have burnt myself out on them, except for a lot of the tracks that I'm playing here. They're some of the heavier, more rocking uh, tracks by the band. And uh, you'll be able to check that out. After that segment, you will hear my good friend and co-host Chris Vaglio of the Galaxy of Geeks podcast, which is an episode or which is a podcast that I co-host with him. But this specific episode does not include me. It's an interview that Chris did with artist Tom Mandrake. Uh, Tom Mandrake has worked on uh, various types of uh, uh, comics or graphic novels, anywhere from uh, Batman to the Spectre, the X-Files, Martian Manhunter, Firestorm, and a bunch more. And Chris had a chance to sit down and, and interview him. So you'll be able to hear Chris's interview again. Even though I'm not featured, the idea is to get you guys to check out uh, the Galaxy of Geeks podcast. Uh, I have a lot of fun doing this podcast with Chris. Uh, we went to uh, college together for a few years. And we're from the same area of New Jersey. And I always, you know, I love catching up with him. I love talking to him about music and and movies and, you know, hockey and things like that. Um, Unfortunately, lately, our schedules just have not been able to meet up, so we haven't been able to do any, you know, any episodes of this podcast, basically. Um, Life gets in the way. What can we say? But uh, this is a fun listen, so that's why I'm including it. And again, the idea is for you guys to check out all this all this stuff here. And so basically it's it's the it'll go in this order. Victor M. Ruiz Podcast, episode twelve, featuring Richie from Focus on Metal, No Metal Cred Six, featuring the harder side of Queen. A Galaxy of Geeks 35 with a interview uh, that features Tom Mandrake. And to wrap up the episode is Fusion Sonica, an episode that focuses on industrial metal. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy this and hope you guys check out the various feeds for these episodes. Every one of these different episodes that I'm including, they all run um, I mean, they're not, they're not long. So, I mean, in total year, this is going to be about a, a little more than an hour and a half is what I'm estimating for the episode, but, um, hang, hang in there and, uh, hope you enjoyed. And again, similar to Mars attacks, you have links at the top and the bottom of the page to Facebook, Twitter, uh, iTunes, Stitcher so on and so forth. Uh, you can drop us a line at 
any of the uh, social media sites that pertain to any one of these shows. And yeah, so there you go. Uh, the, the cool thing that I do have to say is uh, having Richie on the first part of what you'll hear in this episode uh, was a ton of fun. Doing Ear Peeler and adding news from various podcasts, it it sort of bums me out. <laughs> you know, just um, seeing how people jump on different shows and whatnot. I mean, I've had the opportunity to do that, obviously, on Talking Metal. I've done it with Galaxy of Geeks. I was on... Um, I don't remember if it was uh, MSR cast or not, or if it was uh, Metal Geeks, one or the other. I, I was on that show in the past. And... I, I there was the uh, cast iron ring when we had that going. I was on an episode of that, and I may I may be forgetting something here, and I do apologize to any show that I've been on. Um, but I've always liked having you know guest hosts on, and it it's unfortunate that maybe I'm not afforded the same possibilities on on other shows, and. It is what it is, you know, I'm in a different time zone, which for people that are on the East Coast, it's a six-hour difference. For people that are on the West Coast, it's a nine-hour difference. So I, I, I get it, you know, I understand that. And maybe in the end, just my shit isn't as, isn't as big as, you know, what it once was, or, or maybe is what I, what I thought, and maybe what I do just isn't that important. Who knows? I'm, I'm just thinking out loud here, you know? Um, yeah, so it, it bums me out to see, you know, so-and-so's on this show to discuss Iron Maiden. What? You know, I could have done that. Uh, so-and-so's on this show to talk about Kiss or on this other show to talk about that or to talk, it's like, I'm here. Let me know. I'd, I'd love to do it. You know, I have, again, guests all the, on the show all the time. And, um, I don't know, this year has been difficult we're we're almost at the halfway point and you know between all the health issues and whatnot that i've gone through you'll hear about that shortly um it's been hard uh and it's it's been hard to with this constant struggle that i'm trying to get really ear peeler off the ground and i've mentioned this before where you see comments about you know where do you go to find out about new podcasts and like people that really have no other outlet or don't have any anywhere else that, you know, really promotes their show week in and week out. Uh, Earpeeler does that for a lot of these shows. And it was sort of disheartening to see that people weren't sort of backing it or, or you know, or, or mentioning it. I, I did so. You know, you know, I'm not crying about it or whatever. It's just, you know, I've I've mentioned this to people. I've I'm I'm trying my damnedest with Patreon with different things to raise some money for the show. And unfortunately, it just has not happened yet. Um I'm hoping that it does shortly because you know, I uh, because I, I, I'm trying to, you know, do the site as, 
as 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 a way to you know similar to what I say to supplement you know what other sites do you know I'm trying to do this to supplement the income that we currently have and try to make it viable. I am, you know, um, I'm spending a lot of time working on the site, and you know, uh, I you know I generate some some money via ads and whatnot. But you know it it isn't enough, and that's why you know i'm I'm hoping if you're a podcaster, you know help spread the word i'm uh, I'm not saying that you know I'd love to have everyone donate, but you know I understand that that isn't possible for everyone um there are several ways to back what I do besides the patreon, you know with the Amazon links and with the merch and whatnot, and any one of those is great, but you know, I'm not holding a gun to anyone's head. Um, I sort of have like a drop dead date in my mind that if I can't make it work, then I need to move on, you know? And I don't want that to take place. I really don't. But at the same time, I have to be a realist. It's sort of the same thing with with the podcast. Again, it's the reason why I'm doing this episode, to try to raise awareness, try to... I'll bring more people to to what I'm doing. And if I, you know, can't do it, then 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 I got to move on. You know, I'll focus on, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever I need to focus on. And you know, that's the that's the reality of things. Um, So I'm hoping, you know, I'm, fingers crossed that I can. I can pull this off and make everything work, but if I can't, then you know, then then again, you know, I'm 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 doing my damnedest. So let me just put it to you that way. So it's 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 been a hard struggle, and I, you know, I I have no problem working. I have no problem, you know, getting in the the trenches and making sure that this stuff gets off the ground. But it just hasn't the way that I've anticipated. Let's just say that. Uh, it's almost two years into it. Uh, it's close to 34,000 posts. And yeah, there you go. So check out Earpeeler, earpeeler.com. Um, also, I mean, there's... The, <laughs> I listened to the latest episode of uh, Metal Raps yesterday. And listening to that show is is kind of bittersweet to me. Uh, because that show sort of took off when everything sort of went down with Talking Metal, you know, the last time that we sort of parted companies. And it's bittersweet hearing that, because there was talk of me and Mark doing a show together that wasn't Talking Metal and could have been something else. And you couple that with the fact that, you know, I was the one that put him and Mitch Lafon in contact with one another. It stings, you know, listening to that and thinking, you know, what could have been, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, it it, it sucks. <laughs> I can't put it to you any other way. So I enjoy listening to it. But at the same time, you know, there are sometimes things that, that are said where it's like, damn, you know, I wish I could chime in, 
I do, you know, but it's not the same as, as being on the show. Um, they're, they, you know, they're, there are times where I listen to some of the comments and I don't know, man, it just sounds like I, I, I don't want to step in any shit here because I mean, I, I feel this way with other shows as well, where maybe I comment on things with the host behind the scenes and it just seems like what I've possibly done to help or to comment is sort of sort of goes by the wayside. It's sort of forgotten. So, um, yeah, it's, so it's, it's difficult when you listen to something and, and you think that you're, you know, what you've lent to that program or whatever is sort of like an afterthought or it's mentioned sort of, you know, in hindsight or, or not, you know, your contributions just don't seem appreciated. So it sucks <laughs> genuinely. So, and, and by saying that, you know, I, I love doing stuff, um, working with Mark whenever, whenever I can. And I'm helping out with the stuff on talking metal site. You know, I don't, I don't know how long that's going to last. I hope, you know, again, that's something else that you guys can check out and make sure that it works. And, you know, by visiting and commenting and, and doing different things, um, that'll mean that what I'm contributing to that site is somewhat of a, a success. And it'll let him know that, you know, hey, you know, we, we dig what Victor's doing here. So, you know, I need to keep him on or whatever. Maybe in the past, that's where things sort of went awry where, you know, you guys are checking out what I do here and weren't going to Talking Metal to check out what was going on, you know, what I had going on there, which was essentially the same thing as what was going on here. So I get it. I mean, I understand. And, and I understand why, you know, we've parted ways in the past. It It hasn't, you know, it hasn't been easy for me, obviously, but you know, if not, I wouldn't keep bringing it up, obviously. It, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm whining or bitching or complaining. It's just, you know, how, I've, how I felt. And I think things are cool right now, and I don't want to fuck that up anyway. So I'm, hopefully what I'm saying isn't going to be taken the wrong way. So there you go. Anyway, last episode, we promised a new segment. So here we go. segment where we are on the look for the rovers out there on earth not the ones on mars you can go to nasa for that <laughs> anyway so here we go if you guys retweet or share this on facebook or anywhere else you will be a rover so as usual the biggest supporter of what i have going on uh, Chris Sinzak of the Despo Geek Podcast, Shane Abair, Kenneth 
McDonald, the Big Mac Daddy up there in Michigan. Uh, we have Frank Shanker. We have Carl Alvarez, uh, one of the people responsible for the Inside LA Metal uh, documentary series. A fucking amazing, amazing documentary series. If you haven't checked out any of the first two volumes, do so. The third one is going to be screened for the first time in roughly 10 days. Um, wish I could afford one of these new low-cost flights from Barcelona to L.A. to check it out, but <laughs> it is what it is. Hey, if I can win the lottery or all of a sudden we start getting donations or the Patreon picks up all of a sudden, who knows what could happen in the next 10 days. Also, the photographer extraordinaire, Bill Hale, uh, was gracious enough to retweet and focus on metal. Those guys are great. They always help spread the word of Ear Peeler, Mars Attacks, and a ton of other stuff that I'm doing. So thank you one and all for retweeting and sharing and, and everything else. And this is almost like an award show. I, I promised myself I wouldn't do this. I promised myself that I wouldn't fucking talk for this long. But here we are, 25 minutes in, and that's what I've done. So without further ado, let's kick this episode off. Uh, before getting into all the, the segments, just want to thank everyone for checking this episode out. Drop me a line, input at marsattacksradio.com, or you can do so via Twitter or Facebook. Guys, as the cliche goes, you know the drill. Top and bottom of the various sites, just click on that. Mention whatever the fuck you want, and just let me know. So, thanks again, and hope you enjoy the remainder of this episode. This show is brought to you by EarPeeler.com. Welcome one and all to episode number 12 of the Victor M. Ruiz podcast. I'm Victor M. Ruiz. I'm back. <laughs> anyway, back after um, a- a- another long time off. Um, still dealing with health issues. I uh, was taking... Um, a series of medicine up until the middle of, of last month of May. And I uh, was supposed to take some time off to see if things were, were getting better. And man, it's, it's been, um, it's been a rough few weeks. Let me just put it to you that way. Uh, partly my fault because you sort of get sick of eating the same thing. So like the last time this happened, I essentially ate pasta and chicken breasts for a year, nothing else. And the only thing that I put on top is a little salt and some oil. That's it. So this time around, we have been able to uh, sort of expand things, but it's it's really been a trial because it's, you know, to see what what I can basically stomach and what I can't. And I was stupid enough to drink something that I shouldn't have. Um, I actually bought three uh, cans of Monster Energy drink because they were giving away a bike, a kid's bike. And I was like, all right, well, it's a BMX bike. I was like, you know, wow, this would be cool if we could win it and this and that. And 
So I decided to give it a shot. And I wasn't going to drink it. And my wife had had left like the the end of one on top of my uh, work area here. And it just sat there and I was like, fuck it. It's just, you know, a little bit. What's the worst that can happen? Well, what's the worst that can happen is that I've been like paying for it the last 10 days. So yeah, famous last words. I'm like a My Chemical Romance song there. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> but um, yeah, so it hasn't been fun. And, and now it's um, in the last two days I've been fine. And now it's just plotting out a course of what I can and can't eat. So usually it's uh, crackers and, and toast for breakfast with water. Uh, it's lunch with um, chicken breast or um, white fish or turkey breast and either pasta or rice. And for dinner, it's an omelet with cooked ham. And we started out with just mashed potato. Then it became a mix of mashed potato and sweet potato. Getting those um, proportions correctly so that the sweet potato, sweet potato, excuse me, isn't killing the the taste of the mashed potato. And then to further that, we added some ginger to the mix, and similar deal. Like the smallest piece of ginger makes the whole damn thing taste like ginger, but. It's also uh, good for, you know, all the stuff that I have going on, and um, hopefully I can get back on track. I, I mean, I've been wanting to get back to, uh, you know, releasing podcasts. I haven't, I hadn't done one since the beginning of March, just due, due to all this nonsense, due to the fact that, you know, when you're dealing with pain constantly and not knowing... You know, whether you're going to have an emergency in the middle of recording something. Um, I'd almost just, you know, prefer to, to hold off. And I have been updating Ear Peeler, but obviously, you know, it's not me on the, you know, talking. It's not me interviewing people. I've done a few interviews here and there because there were things that I couldn't pass up. And those will be coming out shortly. I mean, if I have time, I'm, I'm recording this. I'm going to record... Um, an episode of my uh, No Metal Cred podcast and Mars Attacks, which everything is lined up to record all that stuff. And uh, actually, this episode will be part of uh, Mars Attacks episode, which which I intend on releasing uh, in in a few days. The idea is that I'm going to have an episode that will have this in it, It'll have my last Fusion Sonica episode, and it will also have my No Metal Cred episode, which is going to be based on the heavier side of Queen. Uh, and, you know, just trying to, to spread the wealth there and spread the word. So, so yeah, trying to get back in the groove here. Still, still keeping up with, uh, again, with Ear Peeler. Uh, roughly 33,000 posts that I've added to the site since its inception close to two years ago. And I actually just uh, did the eight-year eight anniversary of 
uh, the Fusion Sonica podcast, the original run. And in a few months, it will be eight years of Mars Attacks. So there you go. But uh, yeah, I appreciate everyone that's uh, been along for the ride. And hopefully you guys hang out and continue to enjoy the stuff that I put out. It's a shame because, you know, obviously I'm trying to, uh, you know, do Patreon and trying to do different things. And I haven't been able to do these videos because of the same reason that I can't podcast. You know, if I can't sit behind a desk and, and record stuff, I'm, you know, I can't stand in front of a camera and, and do this stuff and be with a happy, cheery face, you know? <laughs> so uh, hopefully within the next few days or whatnot, I'll, I'm going to record. Another video for that, I also have intentions of recording a video for Talking Metal. Uh, I've been doing some work for them with uh, top five lists and news and uh, on this day updates, which I have to get to for June. And yeah, it's been cool. We'll see. Uh, I hope that that gets bigger and better, and that's why I'm sort of mentioning it here. So if you don't know, please go there, check out what I do on the site, and, you know, comment, mention, you know, whatever it is, whether you agree, whether you don't agree. And to a certain extent, you know, I, I write things to try to get rises out of people in the sense that I want people to comment. So there you go. In any event, this episode will be based on something that uh, that we did a little while back. Uh, to podcasting nightmares uh, continued, basically. It's uh, Richie from Focus on Metal said to me, you know, hey, since I couldn't be part of the original uh, Podcaster Summit on the Classic Metal Show, do you mind if, if I come on and talk about some of my podcasting nightmares on your show since you've done a a few episodes on it. I said, sure, no problem. So essentially what's going to happen is the next three episodes of the Victor M. Ruiz podcast is going to be similar to this. I'll do an intro piece and talk about certain things, and then we'll jump into what Richie and I discussed. So here we go. Let's jump right on into... This part with Richie, before doing so, I just want to mention, again, thanks for listening. Hope you guys continue to, you know, check what I what I do out. I, I do apologize, you know, for not being as frequent as I'd like to be with these episodes. And, and I understand that for some people it may seem like I'm unreliable with that stuff, but it's definitely not something that that I want to stop doing. It's I want to continue to podcast, but... You know, again, life gets in the way sometimes, and there really isn't, you know, much much more that you can do when when you have everything scoped out and planned out. You know, I I've gotten sick. I've had to go to the emergency room with my son. I've, you know, my wife has gotten pretty sick. Who never, you know, takes days off from work. In in the twenty some odd years that she's worked at the same place, she's taken off from work from being sick, uh, like once. <laughs> and, you know, just with all the different ailments we've had at home, aside from my crap, um, you know, she's had to take time off. But whatever. It is what it is. It's life. So 
I will continue to podcast. I will, you know, try to keep it as frequent as possible. And hopefully you guys enjoy what I do here and enjoy what I do with my other shows and you guys keep up and, and follow up with everything going on. So there you go. And in any event, after my long-winded intro here, here is Richie from Focus on Metal. He'll discuss, you know, who he is and, and whatnot, and we'll just take from there. I'm sure you guys will, will get a grasp of, of what we're doing. So thanks again for listening, and here we go with Richie. I'm Richie. I'm half of Focus on Metal. I've been doing the show with Scott for four and a half years now. Um... In the begin, how I ended up on the show was uh, I started to uh, read Martin Popoff's books and I googled them for uh, audio interviews and the Focus on Metal show came up and um, I listened to it and I, I emailed Scott and he had Jay on the show as his co-host at the time. I've actually never met Jay and um, I listened to some of the episodes and I'd email Scott, Scott to get back to me. And then I moved to the States and I found out that Scott was living less than five minutes away from where I was living. <laughs> what a coincidence. Which, is, which the chances of that are like next to none. And it just so happened that Jay was leaving the show. So I, I sent him an email saying, do you want to meet for a drink, you know, and see if, meet me and see, you know, because I'd never done any radio before. I'd never done any podcasting or anything. Right. I had a few beers and I went down and I tried and, he does all the editing. He does all the recording. He has all the, he's got the studio. He's got everything. When it comes to the tech stuff, I'm terrible. No, nothing really. <laughs> so I took it upon myself to try and schedule some interviews. And um, so I'm going in blind uh, to all these PR companies. There's two things about me. I'm, I can be stubborn and I can be naive which is a bad combination because I don't give up easily. Right. And um, so in the beginning, what, what happened was um, I'd get in with the PR companies and then we'd end up with too many interviews. And Scott was like, calm down, Richie, you know, don't be booking so many. So I was thinking, I'm not even going to last on the show here. He's just going to tell me like to piss off. <laughs> so like that was in the beginning. And um, over time, he let me schedule... I'd say I probably schedule about 80% of the interviews at the moment. Um, we'll do some, some of the discussion pieces that both come from either or, you know, but the, the, when discussion things, what, what you'll end up doing is you'll start, you'll start talking about one thing, and next thing you know, you're on to another thing and on to another thing, which is what I like. I don't like it to be really structured right. um, topic-wise. It, it, it's interesting that way. But as far as, like, some of the interviews... Um, where me and Scott, like, where I've really, like, annoyed, not annoyed him, but, but really put him under pressure because he does all of the editing. He does all of that. And I got Ty Tabor on uh, from King's X. I emailed him directly about three years ago to do a, would he do a full discography with us? And Ty was brilliant. We had two hours on the phone and went through every single album. And we recorded it and... Of course, at that time in the show, we were a bit better at it now. We were backed up on audio. And after three weeks, uh, Ty shoots me an email. Um, I've been looking for the interview. I can't find it. Huh. And um, so, of course, I got on to Scott and I said, Ty's been on, you know, um, can we do the, 
when can we run the interview? And Scott kind of, he plans really what episodes we do. I don't really get involved in that because he does all the editing. He might say to me, what do you think, will we run this episode next? And I might say, yeah. Or he might just edit three episodes one after the other. And then, you know, put in the music and run them. And he's very, he's a big stickler for audio quality. He doesn't just mail it in like he spends a lot, a lot of time doing this. And of course, I emailed him about Ty. And he'd already done the next two week shows. And he ended up, we ended up doing two shows. We've only ever done this once. We ended up doing a show on a Wednesday and a show on a Friday. And he spent the whole weekend doing the Ty Tabor episode. And I thought he was going to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) And honest to God, I thought, this is it. Now I'm done. And, uh, you know, I was like, that was one nightmare. Because it was a nightmare for him. Because, like, he he didn't want to, we didn't want to piss Ty off. Because we've never had any artist on before then saying, where's my interview? Normally once it's done, the artist doesn't give a shit like they've done it. Right. And it's over. <laughs> and um, but, but Ty, Ty contacted me and we got it done and I sent it out to him and he emailed me back saying it was very well done. He enjoyed listening to it and it went down very well. There's a lot of King's X fans out there. But Jesus, like the, myself and Scott at the time, there's a little bit of stress there because I ruined his weekend. Like completely ruined it. Right. And um, so that was one. Um, another one that comes to mind is uh, Michael Voicat from Halloween. I think it was last year. Uh, I hadn't really dealt that much with um, Nuclear Blast. And they were on tour in the States. And I don't think they tour in the States that often. Maybe every other album they tour. Right. And I contacted the Nuclear Blast PR person. And I, I've done it before. You know, you contact him and you hear nothing back. Yeah. And you contact him and you hear nothing back. And I, one of the one of the people in there got back to me and said, "Yeah, we can set up an interview, no problem." So I said, "Great." So you know, me, me and Scott both work. You know, work, work long days and like yourself and every, all the other podcasters. Like this doesn't pay the bills. You know, this is done on our on our own time and. Um, so we arranged to talk to Michael Boycat at a certain time. And, of course, I went down to Scott's house and, you know, we were given a phone number and it was, a, it was the road manager's phone number and um, to call that. So we, we called it and we were told, oh, we're going to be running a little bit late. The bus had a flat tire. <laughs> and can you call back in about 10 or 15 minutes? So I, you know, I said, no problem. We'll call back. Is everything okay? He said, yeah, everything is fine. So we, we call back 15 minutes later, and the road manager says, right, this is, I'd say this is probably at like 7.15, maybe 7.30, say, just, just say 7.30. So, of course, the road manager says, is everything okay? You know, I said, the road manager, is everything all right? And he said, yeah, yeah, everything's fine, everything's fine. And I said, uh, okay, is, is Michael okay to talk? And he says, hang on, I'll get him for you. Right, so it took a, a, probably the guts of ten minutes of dead air. He had to go from wherever he was up to Michael's room to get Michael on the phone. So Michael comes on the phone. He's you know, like we were chit chatting for like a minute or two. Like, how was the tour going? You know, you had a flat tire. He said, Oh yeah, these things happen. You know, we're tired, and you know, I, I was like, Oh yeah, you know, we're not going to keep you too long, and you know, so we had twenty, we had twenty minutes scheduled for him. And I'd say about nine minutes into it, I, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, 
the album and the tour. And I wanted to ask him about playing in, in Donington in 1988. Mm-hmm. That was the bill with um, that uh, Guns N' Roses when the two kids got killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the kiss were on the bill. David Lee Roth, um, who headlined? Iron Maiden. I can't remember who headlined. It was Iron Maiden. Yes, Iron Maiden. And, and Megadeth so was I, also on that bill as well. Megadeth, David Lee Roth. Yeah, Megadeth. Yep. So, of course, I, I said to Michael, I said, what are your memories of... Like, I love asking the Donington questions. I said, what, do, you, do you have good memories? Mem- what are your memories of playing Donington in 88? And he says, I remember everything. Next minute, the phone gets taken out of his hand, the road manager. Your time is up. And I was like, sorry? He said, your time is up. We've got our interviews scheduled. And I said to him, yeah, but you were late. And you took over, it took nearly 10 minutes bringing the phone up from when we called. I'm sorry, thanks, hung up. Wow. Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and I looked at Scott. Scott looked at me. And he went, did that just happen? And I says, yeah. And I said, so because we were first, we got shafted. And I'm like, bastards. <laughs> so that, that's definitely one that sticks out. Right. Uh, because like, we only had like nine minutes of audio. And, you know, it was like, Fuck. <laughs> so that's one. Uh, I had the opposite, and, and I don't. Uh, now this what comes to mind. I don't remember if I mentioned it during the um, uh, the the other episodes where I talked about this. Where mm-hmm. it was similar situation where the person called me um, ten minutes late. We start talking, and nine minutes in. Oh, you know, someone from the UK just called, and if they call again, I have to. You know, it's really late for them. And I was like, I'm fucking calling you from Spain. It's an hour later for me. What are you talking about? Yeah. And um, <laughs> and he's like, oh, really? But it comes up like a New Jersey number. I know that. I have, you know, a Skype out number. So when you call, you don't have to call a long distance number. You can call, uh, uh, you know, a Jersey number as opposed to calling a, a number in Spain. Mm. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm sorry. Oh, they're calling. I have to go. And I'm like, what? And same deal. Nine minutes is what I got out of him. And out of, you know, 20 minutes that I was supposed to get, calls 10 minutes late, does the nine-minute interview, and then bails, you know, technically a minute early because, uh, you know, similar to what you said, scheduled for 20 minutes. I mean, it's it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. The other one that comes to mind is um, when we did the Little Mountain Sound project. Right. Um, the guys who the guys who ran the studio were, you know, we Mike Fraser helped us a lot on that. Right. And um, but they were we they were pretty easy to get. Um, James Kotak was easy. Jamie St. James was easy. Um, who else did we have? Karabi was all the artists were relatively easy to get. Mm-hmm. And. I asked Herman Rarebell to come on. And Herman had done Face to Heath with Fairborn and Little Mountain in 93. And um, at the time, I don't think I had a drummer uh, on. And I contacted Herman through his website, and he, con- he got back to me. And he was really nice, said, I'd love to come on um, and talk about those times. I have really good memories of that. And I'm like, fantastic, you know. Pretty high-profile name, Herman Rarebell, Scorpions, you know, iconic band. Brilliant, right? Right. And um, so, of course, I was emailing Herman back and forth, and we, we scheduled a time. 
And I think the time we scheduled some time, like it was during the day on a, on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I think he was out at the time with Michael Schenker, touring with Schenker, right? Right. So I contacted Harmon and Harmon said, here's my number and um, call me. And, um, you know, that's it. So of course I get out to Scott's house. We called the number. Harmon says, oh, I can't talk now. I'm on tour. I'm like, Sorry? I can't talk. I'm on tour. And, he, and I said, um, Herman, you, you, know, you gave me your number to call at this time. I'm on tour. I can't talk when I'm on tour. I'm sorry. And hung up. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. And that was another woman. Scott just looked at me. Said, did that just really happen? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, bloody hell. So he asked me to call him. And then, and then when I called him, he's like, I can't talk to you. I'm on tour. I'm like, what the hell? What the fuck? But um, it was another one that sticks out. Um, the hardest guy I've had to nail down to get on the show, um, will, you see, I'll do any, I'll go anyway to get an interview if I can. Um, I'll go through a PR company over time. If you get to know the person, you know, if you feel confident enough, you'll go directly through them maybe. Right. Um, but Adrian Vandenberg was, I did it through Facebook and I messaged Adrian and Adrian got back to me. This is around the time the Moon Kings album came out. Um, and this, this, is like, this is one of these stories where I'm not, I'm not blaming Adrian. It just took so fucking long to nail this one down. Because he's in Holland, right? right. So he, he agreed to come on. And then we told him, look, we're in the U.S., blah, blah, blah. And then I'd say, right, help. I'd say, right. he'd say, well, will I send you a message asking, well, can we do it at a certain time? And he said... Yeah, no problem. So I send him a message. I hear nothing back. And then I'm like, okay, maybe he can't do it this week. So I send him a message the following week. And I hear nothing back, right? And I say, right, I'll wait a week, maybe two weeks, and then I'll contact him again. So I contact him again, and I get a message back from Adrian. Oh, yeah, I'd love to do it. You know, send me a message, and we'll we'll hook it up. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So this goes on, I'd say, for a couple of months. Right? I've given up at this stage. I've given up. And um, I just said, you know, I said, right, fuck it. I'll send him a message and see what he says. And he sends me a message back saying, yep, I can do it this Saturday at such a time. I've got people coming over to the house, um, but I have no problem doing the interview. Here's the phone number. <laughs> so we get out to Scott's house anyway. And uh, we call the number. And uh, this woman answers. And I'm like, uh, can I speak to Adrian? And she's like, sorry? I said, can I speak to Adrian Vandenberg? Oh, there's no one here called Adrian Vandenberg. And I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Right? <laughs> so I'm like, and Scott's looking at me, like, thinking, he has the right number. And I'm like, so I take out my phone, and I'm like, I show him the, the Facebook message made, and here's the phone number. Right? So we did a discussion piece, me and Scott, and then we, I just said at the end, like, said, like, fuck it, let's just try it again for shits and giggles, right? So next thing, the phone, the phone, they call the phone number. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, um, Adrian answers the phone. And this, this was like 35 minutes after we were supposed to talk to him. And uh, he says, um, she called this number a while ago. And I was like, yeah, we called and some woman answered. And he was like, oh, sorry about that. Like, she didn't know who I was and all that. And I'm like, fucking hell. <laughs> And I, Scott's looking at me like, and he's like, how the fuck does this shit happen to us? You know, <laughs> well, I'm trying to nail people down. And 
you know. He had no, he had a load of people over for a party. And like he'd already told someone people over there that if the phone goes, that you know, if someone comes on with a foreign accent, they're looking for him to do an interview. And of course, the person who picked up the phone must have been one of the people who wasn't told, or who didn't know who, whose party he was at. You know, who's who was hosting the party, maybe. And um, yeah, but like I got, we got forty minutes on the phone with him, and it was great. And uh, but to nail that one down, and for what happened in the end, I was like. This is the hardest one to get. And to actually get him was pretty good because I don't think he did that many interviews when the Moon King's album came out. Right. I think he did Eddie Trunk's one, but I didn't see him on any other podcast. Um, so it was, you know, he was, was a good get. Um, this show is brought to you by earpeeler.com. Welcome, one and all, to episode number six of the No Metal Cred podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And this week's episode is going to tie in with one of my other podcasts. Actually, two of my other podcasts. Uh, this is also going to go out via um, the Mars Attacks feed. Uh, this is going to be an episode that will tie into sort of what I do there and with the Victor M. Ruiz podcast and with Fusion Sonica. So basically, it's going to be all those three episodes together combined in one episode that will be a new um, Mars Attacks episode, just to bring people on over that maybe don't know what we're doing uh, with these shows. Uh, what we're going to do here is we're going to borrow an idea from Despo Geek Podcast. This is going to be the heavier side of Queen, basically. And uh, we're going to kick things off with a track that comes off of The Works. The name of this track is Teared Up. This is a very Zeppelin-y uh, influenced track so check this out
that was from the works which came out in the 80s let's jump back to the 70s and this is a track that comes off of the album jazz the name of this track is dead on time of the album Jazz, keeping things in the 70s. Let's hop on a track coming off of A Day at the Races. The name of this track is White Man. I'm a simple man 
from this soil my people came in this soil remain shoes we trot soft on the land but the immigrant built roads on our blood and sand oh yeah white man white man see the light behind your black sky
was recently covered by Testament, years ago anyway. This comes off of the game. Name of this track is Dragon Attack. Yeah. Ow. 
John Khashoggi's, at least at the time of the recording of The Miracle, was one of the richest men in the world. And he was known for his flamboyancy with his parties and, and whatnot. So this is a track called Khashoggi's Ship, which is about his parties, basically. You'll see with the lyrics. This comes off of The Miracle, an album that uh, didn't have much commercial success initially when released in the States. Uh, but it had a track like I Want It All on it, and it does have some uh, heavier, quote-unquote, tracks. Uh, it is a darker album, I guess you could say. But uh, anyway, check this track out. Again, it is Khashoggi's Ship by Queen. Absolutely huge uh, around the world. In the States, it's known more for the track One Vision. Uh, Friends um, Who Wants to Live Forever. And if you like the uh, this little old movie called The Highlander, 
there was plenty of tie-ins with that because there were several songs like Who Wants to Live Forever that were used during that album and or used during the soundtrack of that movie, I should say. The track, Give Me the Prize, which in parentheses has Kurgan's theme, Victor Kurgan, that is, uh, played by Clancy Brown, who's done a ton of movie and video games and TV shows and animated stuff. I'm sure you know who he is, and he's done all types of different voices, and I'll, I'll do my, my best impersonation of him. Happy Halloween! <laughs> anyway, uh, this is the track, Give Me the Prize, coming off of A Kind of Magic. <laughs>
We're going to wrap things up right now with a track coming off of 1977's News for the World. This is Get Down, Make Love by Queen. Thanks for listening to the episode, and we'll see you next time right here on the No Metal Cred podcast. See ya.
You are about to take a journey that will take you through the space-time continuum to a realm full of nothing but geeks. Welcome to Galaxy of Geeks. Punch it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Galaxy of Geeks podcast, episode 35. Uh, it's actually been a little bit, uh, a couple months since we last did a new episode. Uh, Victor is not with me today. Uh, I do have a very special episode uh, of the Galaxy of Geeks podcast. I am joined by a very special guest today. Uh, some of you may know him, uh, and especially you may know his artwork and be very familiar with it. I've got Mr. Tom Mandrake on the line today. Tom, how are you? I'm great. How about you, Chris? I am doing awesome. Thank you so much for making the time to uh, to talk with us today. Uh, I know you have been very busy on a lot of different very cool projects, so we definitely appreciate you making the time to, uh, to hang out with us today. Thank you. You bet. So some of you may know uh, Tom from... Just some of the titles, I'll just mention a few that he's done. I think maybe some of you may have heard of titles such as Martian Manhunter, Batman, X-Files, The Spectre, Suicide Squad, Swamp Thing, uh, and the, the list goes on and on and on. <laughs> so, there's so <laughs> many, it's so many Tom, Tom's been a part of. He's worked with um, some small companies like DC Comics and Marvel Comics, you know, some of the, the, the young, fledgling, independent uh, comic book houses. But yeah, so Tom's uh, been a very, very active artist in the comic book industry for many, many years. And so, so Tom, why don't you talk to us a little bit? Because obviously you've seen the industry from when you got into it to now. I mean, you've seen some tremendous, tremendous change uh, in your, your time you know, working. So uh, why don't you talk a little bit about that? You know, um, when I first got into the industry, which was the end of 1979, one of the first things that I was told by other freelancers, other editors, was this business is going to be dead in five years. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I've been hearing that, um, oh, every five years ever since then. So comics rises and falls, and, and, and you know how how big it got in the 90s. Yeah. And, and it, you know, we, we ride it like a wave. Some years you make great money, some years you struggle to get along, but it will always be here. Right. And uh, for me, it's been, it's been a great career and I still love, I still love producing comics. It's just been something that uh, I feel very lucky to be part of. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, you've definitely, uh, you know, you've been in it for a while and, and I mean, your work is just, you know, it's just awesome. I mean, you've done a lot of, a lot of very well-known, you know, titles and uh, just, it's been very prolific over over the years for sure. You know, I know there's a bunch of people that have been. You know, I was I was talking to a bunch of uh, you know friends and, and other people who you know were all excited that I was going to be able to talk with you today. So you know, they gave me a few things to talk about and uh, said, "Oh, can you ask them about this? Can you ask them about this?" So I filtered through some. So I think some of the things that people wanted to hear was, you know, just a little bit about you and, and working with uh, you know John Ostrander. Um, you know, back in the day, and I know a lot of that's continued on and we'll get into we'll get into some of the newer stuff you've been doing but yeah talk a little bit about that and, and working with john john and i became uh, friends before we started working together um i was or jen and i were 
next door neighbors to Tim Truman, John and Tim were uh, co-creators of Grimjack, right. which was a, one of the first real creator-driven projects. It was done through First Comics. That's back when I was working on Batman. That was my first Batman run back in, let's see, 1985, I think. And after I got done uh, with my first run on Batman, Tim was going to take a break of, off of Grimjack, and, and John said, hey, would you be interested in working on this? And, you know, it looked like fun, so I said, sure. And uh, so that was the first thing that we did together, and we clicked right away as a, as a team because John likes to work what's known as Marvel style or, or, or also known as plot style, where instead of working from a full script, the writer and artist get together, you talk about what you want to do together, the writer produces a plot, the artist takes that plot, translates it into pencils, the writer takes the pencils back, uh, creates a dialogue, mm -hmm. and then the writer goes, uh, I'm sorry, the artist goes on and inks up the top of that. And that back and forth uh, is a great process for us. And uh, since we started working together in, uh, I guess it was 86, we've gone on to work on I guess if you added it up, it would be 12 to 15 years worth of projects. Um, Grimjack, Firestorm, Martian Manhunter, Spectre, The Cants. I could be leaving something out. It's hard to remember. <laughs> and, of course, our most recent project, uh, which we, we created ourselves, Cross Hallowed Ground. I think that's a great segue. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, about Cross because – I mean, uh, the artwork, I, I just think, looks absolutely sick and out of this world. And, and I am chomping at the bit to uh, to finally get a chance to to dive into it. But let's talk a bit about that project. Well, new new is an interesting word in yeah, reference well, to exactly, cross. Right? <laughs> <laughs> because we, uh, we had started the idea of, of working on this project uh, over 10 years ago. John and I came up with an idea. Hey, let's do a... Uh, a, a vampire, a killer kind of character. Um, and we actually came up with one concept that was similar to Cross. Didn't really like it that much. I think I produced about 10 pages of artwork for it, set it aside, um, came up with a new concept, which became our character Cross, set in the American Civil War over the uh, course of the Battle of Gettysburg. Started that, produced about 10 pages of artwork, came up the whole concept, showed it to some people um, at uh, Comic-Con that year, which would have been, um, as I say, 10 years ago. So that puts us around, what, 2006? Yeah. Um, nobody was particularly interested in it. And so we set it aside again and then uh, jump forward now to, to uh, 2016 and and we see these Kickstarter projects taking off, and, and uh, we said, well, this might be an interesting idea to approach as a Kickstarter. So we pulled it out of the closet and looked at it again and said, you know, that, this is pretty good. Let's let's try this. If, if nobody wants to buy it, we should try and get it out there. And so we dove into the Kickstarter market, and uh, there was a learning curve straight up. Right. And uh, we we got Jan Dorisma, uh, my wife, to – be the editor, and really, she put the Kickstarter together. When it comes right down to it, if it wasn't for Jen, this never would have happened. Yeah, it's definitely uh, a lot of work, and I think a lot of people underestimate um, that. It, you know, the fact that you just throw up a page and people are just going to give you money—it's it is. It's a lot of work, and uh, yeah, and yeah. we had no idea. It may be for the best. We had no idea what we we're getting into. Although I think 
Of course, the second time you would do something like this, it would be a lot easier. But the first time around, we just yeah, it's always a learning curve. Blindly jumped into the whole Kickstarter thing, and uh, thank God our fans came through for us, and, and the Kickstarter succeeded. And uh, and now we we just uh, sent out the uh, electronic rewards. The PDFs have, have finally gotten out there. Even even creating the PDFs was something we had no idea how to do. We had to figure out everything from uh, square one and the copies are on hand we we finally have the uh, the printed copies in the house and and in the next two weeks uh we're mailing them out so it's it's really exciting but you know again another daunting task now we have all these copies in our hands and we're we're trying different envelopes and seeing how everything right. fits in and it's like <laughs> yeah. oh yeah shipping we have to be a shipping department too yeah, I would imagine, but, right? It's like it, it really is. I mean, you basically started a a business. <laughs> you know, yes, I mean, really, right. it's what it is. Uh, yeah, your shipping department, and and obviously the creative production, marketing, the whole thing. Yes, uh, and and that, of course, all those things have to be taken into account when you do a Kickstarter. Yeah. Fortunately, we were we were at least smart enough to figure that out. That you know, the Kickstarter has to cover all those elements of it. You know, the postage and everything has to be included in that. Yeah. Uh, but it's been a really interesting process, and I, and I think that it's for creators, it's a great way to go right to the fans and say, hey, look, we've got something here. We don't think that an, a publisher, or at least none of the publishers that we've talked to, is expressing any interest in it, but we still believe in it. So, you know, if you believe in it too, let's do it. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's a it's a wonderful way uh, to be able to you know, put a creative product out. I mean, really – you know, almost anything. I mean, but you're right. If you're passionate about something and you really want to do it and you believe that there's a fan base or a customer who would want to be part of it and, and buy this, then, you know, you really there really is nothing stopping you at the end of the day other than, you know, executing, which unfortunately so often you hear a lot of the stories about that's the part that usually falls flat is the actual execution um, yes. of whatever it is. But it seems like from everything that I know and from what you guys have done and yeah, the product is finished and you've done a really great job, uh, you know, updating people, showing them art, uh, sketchbooks and, you know, just all the really fun rewards for the different levels. Um, it, it really looks awesome. The process takes a little Long there again, you yeah. know, there's another part of the learning thing. It takes a little longer than you might think it would because, of course, while you're doing this, you've got all the other things in life that you're trying to accomplish. But um, I, I feel really good once we got the copies in, and I, that moment of terror when the, when the copies arrived and we we're opening them up, and it's like, oh, please let this be a good project, you know? Right. <laughs> and we when we opened them, and, and and Jan and my son Jack and I were standing there, we opened the copies up and. And Sean wasn't here. My daughter Sean is also the colorist in the book. Right. But I was, you know, she didn't get to see it right at that moment. Uh, they they just look great. I'm so proud of this project. I just can't wait for the uh, the backers to to get their hands on them. I know they they've seen the uh, PDF version and the, and the the backers are really loving it. But there's nothing like having the copy in your hand. You know. Oh yeah. There's the nothing copy. like having a physical copy in your hand. It's like back in the day of you know was that's the fun part of. You know, buying a book or you know buying a record is like, you know, staring at the that front cover for hours and uh, you know looking at it, and dissecting it, looking at the lyric sheet and if it's gatefold and you know it's and having it and holding it in your hand uh, is just 
you know, it, it's for it, it. Nothing really replaces that. You know, it, it's and it's no, and digital version is great, but yeah, you want to have that tangible product for sure. I've got my Kindle, and you know, and and have bought reading material in various formats. But to me, there's nothing like having the book in my hands. Right. Yeah, nothing really replaces that at all. Mm-mm. So, just want to rewind a little bit. So, obviously, this is what's going on now. Um, you know, I always find it interesting. You know, in in the creative world, and you know, talking to other creatives, it's like, you know, it's always interesting to hear people's stories of, you know, what was that spark? You know, back then that that you know maybe put you on the trail. I mean, for me. You know, I, I think back to like when I wanted to, you know, be involved in, in filmmaking and, and, you know, make movies or make productions. I mean, involved in production, it was, for me, it was being a kid and, and watching Empire Strikes Back, you know, becoming a Star Wars fan. But, you know, but but the, the wonder of like, wow, you know, how do you make that? How, how can you make that stuff on screen to me was always that that was for me the trigger that like said oh man you know one day it'd be kind of neat to, to be involved in that in that industry or at least i don't know do something along those lines of of you know being able to to produce an image on screen like that you know for you did you was there a, a spark or a moment for you that you know set you down this path well I've always been a huge reader, movie fan, and comic book fan. It's just something that was always there for me. Um, and my dad was, too. He was, mm-hmm. uh, he was a big comic book fan. I still have his uh, pulp magazines. Um, he was always a big movie fan, and, and we used to sit and watch horror movies with him. So that was an influence in my life uh, right from the beginning. So the material was always available to me. Um, and I remember the first comic book I can remember having in my hands before I could read was a copy of Hot Stuff. You know, the little Casper character, the little red yep. devil? Yep, yep. <laughs> before I could read, I can remember having a comic book in my hand. Um, but the first superhero comic book that I can remember having in my hands was, I believe it was the Avengers number four, where Captain America comes back and there's this Captain America is charging straight at you and he's in front of the Avengers and it's, you know, Captain America is back and I got all excited about it. And I was like, I didn't know who Captain America was. <laughs> so I had to run to my dad and say, this looks really great. Who's Captain America? And he explained it to me because of course he knew because he was, uh, he bought Captain America comic books when he was a kid. And I got so excited by that. I've just been a fan of comics ever since and uh, always loved to draw. So it was just, you know, for me, it seemed like a natural progression love to draw, love to read, um, seemed like the place for me to go. Right. Yeah. It's, 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 it's funny. You know, you kind of feel drawn to these things as if like, you know, you finally find your calling or. I always tell, you know, I, I teach over at the Kubert school mm-hmm. and I always tell the students there, if you don't love whatever it is you're doing as a freelancer, if you don't love this, don't even start because it, it it's going to break your heart sometimes and you're going to, you're, you're going to have to love this more than you love making money because that's not what you get into something like this for. Right. You get into it for for what it means to you. If if it's a if it's a career, if it's a, it's a lifetime of uh, creativity that you want, then it's great. But if you're just getting into it because you want to be rich, don't don't do it. <laughs> yeah. No, you're 100 percent right about that. You know, if you're if you're looking to get into this because you 
want to be a millionaire, it's, they're definitely uh, in the wrong spot. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I, you know, I tell them, you know, they'll say, well, what about, you know, what about this guy? What about that guy? Say, you know, well, maybe you'll get lucky. Maybe you'll be one of those guys. But, but that's not why you want to do it. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, it's not why. And it's and the thing is, those guys got there to those points. And yeah, it's a bit of luck, but it's also, you know, passion and, and doing good work and and suffering through, uh, you know, all the, the blood, sweat and tears to get there. You know, nothing happens overnight. And I think that's, you know, a lot of what people, uh, you know, they don't they don't see that part. They see the end of it, you know, the, the end, the glory of it. And you know, they don't see the, the 10, 15, 20, 25 years before that point, <laughs> you know, and uh, that's, that's, a that's lot absolutely true. And, you know, it's one of the reasons uh, I, I'm not sure how this works in, say, video or, or music, but in in the art field, people like to produce sketchbooks, you know, and, and mm-hmm. which I find almost more interesting than finished projects. I like to see half-finished pages and uh, character sketches and things almost more than I like to see the finished work because right. the process that people go, go through to me is infinitely more interesting than the finished work. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And I, and I would say, you know, in those worlds, in the music world, it usually starts with, you know, one, one basic riff that someone's demoed or recorded, you know, uh, on, on their phone. You know, you hear like the simple chord structure and somehow that now becomes a song, but you... You know, it starts in bits and pieces and just starts maybe with three notes and, and builds from there. And, you know, in the, in the world of video and film, it, it starts with a script, could start with a sentence, you know, written on the back of a napkin somewhere when two guys are out talking and, you know, an idea. And then from there, it's like the seeds planted and slowly but surely you start, you know, building towards something that eventually, you know, turns into, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy or something like that, you know, it's... <laughs> But that's but it is, and I think the process is definitely uh, very interesting because you really get to. I think that's sometimes, actually, most of the times, I think that's when you kind of get to see like the real, the real artist, and and that's where the real work is kind of done in that in that whole process. You know, everybody has those stories, and and it is it is very very interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. I agree a hundred percent. So I mean, obviously, you've been involved in so many you know different different books and, and you've you've met with so many different creative people and, and, and partnerships and collaborations over over the, the the years that you've been working and um you know is there anything and I know I hate when people ask me this question because it's tough because then you know, all of a sudden it's like you start dusting off the the, the, cat, the catacombs of your mind. <laughs> but is there is there any stories or any kind of memories that um you know that sort of stand out to you during those you know during those years. Um you know, of working on different titles or, you know, working with different people in the industry. Uh, is there anything like that, that, you know, you look back fondly and say, man, that was, that was an amazing time or, you know, th- th- that type of thing. Getting to work with uh, Joe Madry and Lance Hendrickson on Telluride was a unique experience. Right. And, uh, you know, I, that was a real sort of out of left field kind of thing. And, and Lance, had never done a comic book before and Joe and Lance decided they wanted me on that, that book. And so they pulled for me. That was, that was their decision, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and working w- with, uh, with Joe and Lance on it was unique. Um, Lance's 
tremendously energetic and so full of ideas, there's almost no holding him back. Um, and we would have uh, long, long three-way conversations, uh, Skype conversations, just bouncing the ideas back and forth. And, and it was up to Joe to sort of type. We'd hear Joe typing <laughs> in the background while we were talking. Somehow he managed to get everything down while we were doing that. Oh, wow. Um, and it was, uh, I, I'd never done a process quite like that before where you, you had Lance whose brain was on fire with all these ideas and the three of us bouncing all this stuff back and forth. And, and Joe, who then as a, a very uh, solid writer who knew exactly what he was doing, then had to somehow bring it all together. And he did it. He was able to con- turn it into a great script. So that was a really interesting and unique situation for me it was also really nice to be able to be in a situation where on uh, video interviews nobody wanted to talk to me they wanted to talk to lance which was very comfortable because <laughs> then i could just sit back and <laughs> let, right. him do the work. <laughs> let him do all the work yeah, he's, he's used yeah. to it <laughs> yeah he handles those things very well yeah i'm sure he's got plenty of Plenty of experience, uh, you know, t- talking about uh, projects and, you know, doing all the press junket stuff for sure. Yes, absolutely. Now, that's pretty neat, though. So how did that even come about? I mean, you were saying he found, you know, they, they wanted you. Was there, was there a certain title or was there a book? Uh, did they see some of your, like, what what was it, do you think or do you know that, like, really uh, for them, like, like we got to work with Tom? I had done an illustration or one of the illustrations in his uh, um his autobiography, Not Bad for a Human, mm-hmm. and uh, that Joe had, had written with him. And uh, so, you know, they were already familiar with my work. And uh, so I already knew them. So, and I, and I guess, you know, my, I, I guess what it comes down to is, you know, people know what I do and uh, they knew that I, was, that I was appropriate for the project. Right. And once we started talking about it, then it was, like a, a snowball. Right. And uh, I guess um, Darkhurst approached Lance and said, we'd like you to do a, a project for us. And he said, great, I want Tom on it. And, it was, and that was that. And that was that. That's how it yeah. happens. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, be, being in the industry and, and uh, you know, having seen it, it's it's pretty, and, you know, and, and me being uh, a fan and you know someone who who reads books and you know i've always been a big batman fan and and many other titles i've I've, you know read over the years uh it's really amazing to me to see you know how much things have changed um you know in the industry or you know just seeing the the product that's come out when, when you're talking about the movies and the television shows and and it's 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 unbelievable to me, but for, for you on, on the inside, um, I mean, what, obviously there, there's very obvious changes, you know, in the industry, which, you know, we could talk about forever with, with, like I said, movies, TV, um, all that stuff. But what are, what is from, from your perspective, from an inside perspective, what are some of the other changes that you've seen in the industry as a whole? Um, you know, any, and, and are they, are they good changes or are you not so happy with them? I mean, I, I'd be interested to hear your, your take on that. Well, first, 
if you started working in the early 80s, as I did, things were, you could get away with a lot less. And and one of the examples that, that I always bring up is my last issue, my first run of Batman, that would take you back to, you'd have to look this cover up. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the cover for Batman number 399, that was the last issue of my run, my first run on Batman. And it's really a very simple cover. It's a, it's a shrunken head and an ax and the bat signals behind it in, in a window. They were not going to run that cover because it was too extreme. It was too horrible for Batman. And when you look at it now, I, I'm telling you that, so you know, take a look at it sometime. You're going to look at it and go, uh, really? I'm looking at <laughs> it right now, actually. <laughs> and, and the only reason that it got run is because um, I was off the book. Um, the editor, Len Wein, was not going to be editing the book anymore. I turned the, the uh, cover in, and basically they rejected it, and Len said, you know, oh, we're off the book anyway. Let's run it. How much trouble can we get in? <laughs> uh, but if we had been, if we had continued on the book, he would have pulled it. Right. Because that cover was considered too extreme for the time, at that time. Now, you wouldn't look twice at that. I mean, that's, it's not just a shrunken head and an axe, right? Right. I mean, when you think of books like, you know, Walking Dead, it's like... Oh, yeah. I mean, it I mean, actually it's, one of many, but yeah. It's a very tame cover. Very tame, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it now, and it's like, yeah, it's not nearly anything close to what, uh, you know, what's out there today. And that was, what, 86, you were saying? Uh, that would be uh, 85 or 86. 80, okay, 85, okay. So, that you know, that's the first thing, is it the... What was going on in the late 70s, early 80s was much uh, calmer. It's not the right word. But again, what you could do in comics was still pretty heavily affected by um, the comics code, which has got no, got no teeth. I don't even know if it's a thing anymore. It's, I think it's gone. Right. Um, now... Throughout the 80s and 90s, it was a lot easier, I think, for a uh, writer, an artist, to just say, hey, I've got an idea for something. This is how John and I uh, approached several projects, including the Spectre. That was actually uh, something we pitched to DC. We, we went up to DC and said, we'd like to do the Spectre as a series. And the response was, well, um, nobody's interested in the Spectre. Right. <laughs> um, and in fact, there had been a run that somebody had just done with the Spectre and it hadn't sold very well. But we said, well, we really want to try it. So they let us try it. And that was a period of time where the writer, artist, and editor would sit down, come up with the storyline and say, okay, here's what we want to do. And it was kind of a bottom to top creative effort. You know, it came from us to the... Uh, the guys at the top, and it would get approved that way. Um, right now, comics works kind of in the other direction for the bigger companies, I think. Um, a lot of the ideas and thoughts are coming from the movie people and from the heads of the company down towards the creators. I think it's more top-driven. Right. Uh, how do I prefer to work? I do I do think it's better that the creators come up with the ideas. Um but it, it's really, you know, the comics are selling well right now. And there's a lot of uh, 
a lot of room for a variety of products right now too, because there's so many more um, publishers available. There's so many more options. So it's it's a mix. I mean, in in the '80s, there weren't as many publishers. There weren't options like Kickstarter. You didn't have that many places to go. So, is it a better market or a worse market? Uh, it's hard to say. Right. There's always there's always give and take there. It's funny from from a fan perspective, just knowing and seeing everything that's happened. You know, I, I you know, back in the '80s, and you know, when I when I was a kid collecting books, I mean, <laughs> I would have told you you were crazy if I'd ever see a Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and and uh, I mean Avengers. I mean everything that's come out has just been unbelievable. And I mean even. You know we're on the heels right now of, of this Wonder Woman movie coming out, and uh, which the trailer looks absolutely amazing. Uh, it's been I, yeah, I have a feeling that's going to be a really good movie. And and DC really needs a big win, I think, because the- yeah, I, I think it would be. I think it's about time that uh, not only DC but the character herself, Wonder yes. Woman, needs. It's it's her time. You know, it's about time that character scored. So, Tom, um, you know, we're getting getting close to the end here, but I'd love to hear about like. What do you have working on now? What's new? What's happening? What else can people expect? Obviously, Cross is out there, but what's what's happening now? Well, I've got a, a great new project that I'm doing with uh, Titan Comics. Now, Titan is uh, a London-based publisher, and they have a license with uh, Hammer Films. Do you remember Hammer Films that produced <laughs> Dracula and Frankenstein? That's my yeah. favorite. <laughs> I love oh, Hammer good. Films. Now, do you remember a movie that they produced in the 70s? It was one of their later films called Captain Chronos Vampire Hunter. I've never seen that, but I've heard that name. I've heard that title. But, yes, I've, I've always wanted to see that one. Well, uh, I'm doing a comic book version of that for them. And uh, so, so I'm working on that now. That's, uh, That's we're awesome. We're going to do, I think, uh, four or five issues. I actually forget how many issues we're doing off the top of my head right now. But I'm working on the first issue right now. And uh, Dan Abnett is writing it. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I've been doing uh, – when I when I heard that Titan had the uh, license to work with Hammer, I actually got in touch with them and said, hey, I want to work with you guys on these things. So I've been doing covers for them for their uh, Mummy series and for their Anno Dracula series. And then uh, uh, now I'm going to do the pencils and inks for uh, Captain Kronos, which I'm really having a great time on. I'm uh, penciling the first half of the book right now. That's really excellent. Actually, I just pulled it up too. It's on YouTube now for Hammer's Got a Whole Thing, so I could actually watch it on on YouTube, which is awesome. <laughs> so I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I could catch up on some of the ones that I've missed, but yeah, that's excellent. So when can people expect that? Well, I think we're we're hoping to get the first issue out September October, but I, there's no official release date yet, so right. I'm not gonna not yet. not gonna say that for sure. But that's something everybody should be definitely out on the lookout for, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty comes. sure they want to have it released this year. That's excellent. That's excellent. So talking, speaking about Hammer Films, I mean, which which Hammer Film is, is your favorite? Because, I mean, there's so many amazing ones. But uh, what which one is your tends to be your favorite? Well, I love the Christopher Lee Dracula movies, mm-hmm. you know. Um, if I had to pick a favorite, it would probably be, and I'm not sure which one, maybe the first uh, Christopher Lee Dracula movie. Uh, I always loved Captain Kronos. It's, it's a later movie. 
in in their run. Um, yeah, it's in the seventies. Yeah, the the relationship between Cushing and Lee in so many of their movies is so great, though. I mean, the 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 Curse of Frankenstein is another one of my favorites, and I just watched Curse of the Werewolf uh, again. I've watched these movies so many times. <laughs> So I would put that right up there as well. Um, but I've always been a huge fan of the Hammer movies. They have a, a, a wonderful charm to them that just – it really holds up, man. You go back and watch even the old, old, early ones, and to me, they they still hold up as, as really great films. Well, they just they, – they amped it up for a new audience. Yeah. And I, as many times as I've seen that movie, I just wait in – in the Dracula film, I would just wait for Peter Cushing to jump up in the table and run across the table. And he leaps over and pulls the drapery down and you see Dracula fall over backwards and turn into dust. I love that scene. But sometimes if the, even if the film isn't as strong, if you have those two actors in the movie, they're, they're so dynamic. They just bring together. Yeah. All on their own. One last thing I'd like to ask, cause I, I know that, you know, from, from knowing you and and and, and following you on, on social media and all that, I, I know that uh, you like to draw a lot of you know the horror stuff. So who, out of all the uh, the the classic horror monsters or you know, monsters in general, who who is it that you like to draw? What's your favorite? I think the most fun that you can have is drawing the various universal incarnations of Frankenstein's monster, because you can always tell. Who's underneath that makeup? If you've watched these movies over and over again, obviously, as I have, you can tell at a, at a glance if it's Glenn Strange, Boris Karloff, Lugosi, Cheney. You can tell instantly which guy it is, which guy is wearing the makeup. And when you do the drawing, you want to make it clear in that drawing which guy, because the the, new, the nuances are important. So I would go with. Uh, Frankenstein's monster from the Universal films. Nice, excellent, very good. Well, I think that's a really good way to, to wrap this up. Um, Tom, how can people get a hold of you, follow you, stay up to date on on what you have going on? Well, I try to I try to keep up with all my social media, but I'm not as good at it as I should be. Um, but mostly, uh, my Facebook page and my Twitter page is what I do the best at. So, and all they have to do is just search for Tom Mandrake. I'll, once again, I'll have these these posts in there to are the links to uh, all these as well as well as links to the Cross Hollow Ground, and uh, you know what? And I'll we'll even put uh, I'll put the link to Captain Kronos in there too, so everybody can enjoy the film and get ready for the book <laughs> to come out. <laughs> I get everybody psyched up. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, awesome, Tom. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's been an awesome pleasure having you on the show and I uh, really do appreciate the time uh, you took out to you know talk with us today and uh, yeah hopefully uh, we hope to have you back again soon especially All when right, great. Uh, new stuff comes out when Captain Cronus comes out I'd love to have you back on sounds good awesome well thanks a lot everybody for joining us and uh, stay tuned uh, for the next episode of Galaxy of Geeks podcast see you all soon Want to discuss any topic featured during this or any other episode? Go to Facebook forward slash Galaxy of Geeks podcast and let your voice be heard. Punch it! Thank you for listening to the Galaxy of Geeks podcast. 
You can stream or download this or any other one of our episodes from galaxyofgeeks.net, iTunes, or Stitcher. Thanks again for listening. This concludes our show. Punch it! This show is brought to you by earpeeler.com. Welcome to episode 8 of the Fusion Sonica podcast. This is your host, Victor, once again. And this episode is going to feature industrial, well, industrial hard rock and metal or bands that have an industrial feel to them and have different things that you could quantify or categorize as having an industrial sort of influence. So uh, we're going to kick things off with a band called Goth Minister. Name of this track is Dark Side. Yeah. 
Cool. From Chicago, this is Stabbing Westward. Uh, love the albums Darkest Days by them. And definitely the um, Wither Blister Burn and Peel album, which is where this track comes off of. Um, can't say enough about this track. Absolutely love it. So uh, the name of it is Falls Apart by Stabbing Westward.
way back when, when you'd make mixtapes or burn CDs or whatever, I'd often pair Stabbing Westward's Fall Apart with a track off of, a track off of, excuse me, Rude Awakening by Prong. Name of the track is Unfortunately. So let's do the same during this episode. Let's hear it. when Tommy Victor of Prong was supposedly part of the Tapeworm project, which apparently involved uh, Trent Reznor of Nine Inch Nails, uh, Marilyn Manson, and a whole bunch of other people. Uh, there were lawsuits, litigations, and all types of different things, so I don't know if we'll ever see the light of day of anything that happened during that project, at least in an official capacity. 
there are bootlegs and whatnot out there. Uh, I just talked about Marilyn Manson, so let's jump into something off of Hollywood. This is The Death Song by Marilyn Manson. inspired by the Mortal Kombat soundtrack and by again I keep bringing up WSOU but you know that station had a lot to do with introducing me to different types of hard rock and metal and bands in general this is KMFDM with Juke Joint 
Jezebel.
track comes off of a different soundtrack. Uh, this Showgirl soundtrack, as a matter of fact, I bought it just for this song. Absolutely love um, Killing Jokes. Such an influential band, such an underrated band by so many people. But uh, this track, Hollywood Babylon, to my knowledge, can only be found on this soundtrack. So let's check it out right here.
to wrap things up, we bring you a track from the band Fear Factory, definitely leaning more towards the metal aspect of the industrial spectrum. This comes off of Obsolete. It's a track that I have always loved. It is called Smasher Devourer, and I will leave you with this track. Thanks again for listening to this episode, and we'll see you next time right here on the Fusion Sonica podcast. Peace.
salvation. I am a Mars Attacks Podcast. This concludes our show. 